I'm Donica Contour, and this is Naptime Devotionals, Episode 21, All Things Must Be Done in Order, Studying Doctrine and Covenants, Sections 27 and 28. Welcome to Naptime Devotionals, a come-follow-me study for busy moms. I'm Donica Contour, your host. I'm a mom of four kids, wife of a high school theater teacher, and my favorite show to binge watch is Murder, She Wrote. All right, this week has been a week and a half. At least that's what it felt like. Um, but let's jump into it. We're actually going to do things a teensy bit different than we usually do. We usually do three sections, as you know, if you've been listening for a while. And by a while, I mean to the other 20 episodes. Um, <laughs> I haven't been doing this that long. But typically, we do what do we learn about Christ and Heavenly Father from these verses and then um what do we learn about the plan of salvation and then how do we put this into action and as i was reading this i kind of felt like i needed to do something a little bit different for these particular verses and i'm actually just going to look at some, some specific verses and we're going to dive really deep into these because that's kind of what i felt like i should do and um i'm kind of just going to listen so the verses that we're going to look at are doctrine and covenants section 27 verses 15 through 18. This is the section where it's talking about um, the armor of God, right? We've heard, at least I have, all growing up about the armor of God. Um, there's that picture of, um, there's one with a young man, there's one with a young woman, where it's a missionary, or it's a young girl or young boy, um, and they're looking in the mirror, and in the mirror is a picture of like, a man all in armor or a woman all in armor. Um, the idea being that even though we can't see that, if we're if we're, we're not physically wearing armor, are we spiritually wearing that armor, right? So I wanted to start first, um, before we get into that, reading a quote by D. Todd Christofferson. Um, just kidding, not D. Todd Christofferson. Um, we'll read his later by um, M. Russell Ballard. This is from Be Strong in the Lord. This is actually not a general conference talk. This is from um, an educational fireside at BYU. You can find it, obviously, in the lesson. Um, it will take you straight to it. But also you can find it in the July 2004 ensign. So he says, I like to think of this spiritual armor not as a solid piece of metal molded to fit the body, but more like chain mail. Chainmail consists of dozens of tiny pieces of steel fastened together to allow the user greater flexibility without losing protection. I say that because it has been my experience that there is no one great and grand thing we can do to arm ourselves spiritually. Um, he's uh, implying, I think he even goes on to say later on, that you know our armor is created by a series of small things that we do consistently, you know, like chain mails can create a bunch of small chains consistently made um, to create that armor. So let's look at the actual scriptures. One of the things as I was reading through, let's list uh, um, the different bits of armor that are listed here, right? Um, so we gird up our loins, always. And he says, take up my whole armor that you may be able to withstand the evil day, having done all that you may be able to stand. Okay. So now we're going to look at the armor itself. Um, so you gird about, gird your loins with truth. Um, the breastplate, 
breath. Oh my gosh, guys, the reading today, it's going to be, it's going to be a little bit. Let's do this. Okay. Um, the breastplate of righteousness, your feet should be shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Um, the shield of faith, um, to quench fiery darts of the wicked, the helmet of salvation, the sword of my spirit. Um, and I think that's it. Those are, those are our main things. So we've got to gird our loins with truth. So let's talk, let's talk about this for a minute. Um, and we're going to look up some words in my most favoriteest place in the whole wide world. As you guys know, my favorite place to look up words, I should say, not my favorite like place to go. To gird, we're looking at the OED, Oxford English Dictionary. Um, it is a word, it's a verb, meaning to encircle a person or a part of the body with a belt or band. To encircle, right? So to gird your loins with truth. Now, literally, our loins are our nether regions. Um, right in between the uh, leg area and the back area. Anybody get that joke? Anybody watch Firefly? Nobody? That's okay. Um, <laughs> it says, literally, the loin is the part of the body on both sides of the spine between the lowest rib and the hip bones. So, your hip bones. So, oh, okay. So, that's actually like higher up than I thought. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, but let's talk about this. Why, why would you gird your loins with truth? Now here's something I was thinking about. Um, gird is to encircle, right? And I didn't think like, this is obviously not a literal thing. This is a very figurative, right? We, we don't, you can't make clothes out of truth and then wrap them around your bum. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's not, it's not a real thing. So how do we do this? How do we, what are we doing here? And I started thinking like, well, what about not necessarily your loins? But what about the fruit of your loins? Right? Um, one of the things, and if you say you don't do this, either you're incredible and I applaud you or you're lying. <laughs> One of the things I feel like all parents fall into, at least a little bit, and especially in the toddler years, is lying to our kids. And I'm not talking big fat lies. I'm talking stuff like, we don't have time to do that thing. Or mommy forgot, or no, I wasn't eating chocolate. Um, that's one of mine. I say that one a lot. Um, and I thought about this and like, okay, now from a parenting standpoint, sometimes these are strictly survival mode things that I am saying. Um, I'm just trying to get through the day. My brain's going a million miles an hour. I'm being asked a hundred questions by my kids and I'm giving them the answer that shuts them up the fastest because I'm trying to make dinner and the baby's crying and all the things and the house is burning down and you know, everybody's about to explode. Um, so I'm trying to give them the answer that's going to get them to go away the quick, the quickest, but is that being honest in all things? Is that being honest in all my dealings with my fellow man? No, 
No, it's not. So I thought, what if, what if girding your loins with truth, right? To encircle, let's, let's translate, right? Encircle your children with truth. What if, and I'm going to try this for the week, you guys. So hold me to this. What if for a week, right? Because for me, at least me saying, oh, I'm going to do it from now on, from now on for the rest of my life, I'm only going to do this thing. I'm going to fail. I fail pretty much every time, but I can do almost anything for about seven days. I can do pretty much anything for about seven days. If they're like, hey, I need you to not spend money for seven days. For seven days, you cannot spend a dime. I can make it happen unless obviously I, uh, you know, there's some huge emergency or a bill comes up. I can, I can, I can do it. Um, or I can cut out sugar for seven days. If you ask me to do a month, my brain's gonna be like, nope, that's too much. It's too hard. We quit. But for seven days I can do it because I can be like, okay, on Sunday next week, I get to have chocolate again on Sunday next week. I get to have chocolate again. Right. My mantra. Um, so this week, that's my goal. I'm going to not lie to my children. I'm going to try and tell them the truth, regardless of whether or not it's the easy answer for seven days. Gird your loins about with truth. Okay. Now let's move on to the breastplate of righteousness. Now a breastplate, typically the way armor works. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking like King Arthur medieval knights armor is they had on chainmail, And then on top of that, they had on the, um, the other armor, right? The big pieces of armor. So here's the thing though. I'm just thinking, here's the thing. We've got our small and daily tasks that make up our chain mail that protects us. And then we have the armor, the breastplate of righteousness, and they work together. If I just have one or the other, I'm not as protected. Um, they both work together to protect me from a variety of weapons as opposed to just one or the other. Okay. Breastplate of righteousness. Now, what is in your chest? Okay. I'm looking at placement as well as everything else, right? The biggest thing in your chest, the most, well, not physically, but one of the most important things in your chest is obviously your heart, right? Um, you've also got your lungs. You've got a lot of vital organs, um, not necessarily in your chest, but in your top area, in your torso, you have a lot of important things that are happening there biologically, um, physiologically, is that the word I want? Anyway, in your body, there's lots of things that organs and tissues and whatnot that are important that exist in your upper body that your breastplate will protect. Now, why righteousness? Why would we want to protect our heart and our vital organs with righteousness? Well, for me, I tend to make a lot of my decisions with my head, but also with my heart. I make a lot of choices based on how they feel. Does it feel like the right choice? Because for me, the spirit talks to me through my heart. He doesn't always appeal to my logical nature. Sometimes he does. Sometimes he's like, hey, you're being crazy. You need to look at this from a logical standpoint. You're getting too nuts. But most of the time, he's very quiet. And he comes and he talks to me in my heart and I feel it in my heart of, yes, this is what you need to do. Or no, this feels, this feels bad. Don't do this. Um, so arm your heart with righteousness. Think like, does that make sense? I, I just love this concept of arming 
the most tender parts, the most valuable, some of the most valuable, vital, vital organs with righteousness. Because that's something you can choose, right? You can choose to be righteous. You can choose to be unrighteous. This is something you have 100% control over, regardless of what's going on. One of, okay, off topic a little bit, but one of my biggest pet peeves when watching TV shows or reading books or anything where there's a characters in a, some kind of scenario playing out is when the villain says something like, well, you made me do it or you didn't leave me any choice or you look what you're making me do. I hate that so much because I'm like, nah, -uh. the, the hero didn't make you decide to blow up the city. You chose to blow up the city. You could have not, you could have just not blown up the city. You wouldn't be the bad guy then, but that, you know, that's okay too. But I don't like it when people don't take responsibility for their own choices, um, which of course means I'm trying my best to take responsibility for my own choices. So bre breastplate of righteousness. So let's move on to the next bit. Your feet, your feet should be shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Now, do you know what I think about when I think about preparation? I don't think about sitting still for sure. Um, preparation, when I think about preparation, the first image that comes to my mind is when we take our children anywhere overnight, because I can't just take, I can't just leave, right? You can't leave your house overnight with four kids and just hope that you won't need anything, especially when two of my kids are in diapers. Like when I think of, okay, I'm preparing to leave my house. And so my husband's grandma has a cabin. We'll go to the cabin sometimes. And when we leave, it's like I take everything but the kitchen sink because I want to be prepared. So what does it involve? It involves me making a list of all of the things I'm going to need. I have to think through all the different scenarios. And then I get up and I do it. I have to walk around the house. I have to make sure we have the clean laundry. I have to get clothes for the kids. Okay, are they going to be playing in the snow? Okay, we're going to need snow clothes. We're going to need a base layer. We're going to need an insulation layer. We're going to need their snow clothes, um, wear their mittens and their hats. Okay, we have that. And okay, now do we have warm clothes for them to wear around inside the house? Do we have um, PJs? Do I have a carry, extra care, pair of clothes in case somebody has an accident? Do I have extra underwear? Do I have extra this? And do I have extra that? And do I have pillows? And do I have medicine? What if one of the kids gets a fever? Well, let's take the Tylenol along just in case. And this is the level of preparation. Okay, so what are we, when I think of the feet, why, why, why feet? Why, sh why shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace? Because the gospel of peace is not, the gospel is not an inactive gospel. It is not a gospel of the bystander. Heavenly Father has given us a gospel of action. We have service, we have even when you're doing temple work, it's action, right? We're moving. Maybe not necessarily physically, but things are happening all the time. Um, and I think that that's an important part is making yourself a part of the action. Even if you're not physically capable of moving around and doing lots of things, you know, you're still capable of being a part of that temple action, being a part of the missionary work, being a part of... Um, of what's the word I'm looking for? Not friendshipping, but like, anyway, like connecting with the people around you, with your ward members, with your family members. Um, so action gospel of peace is a go It's a gospel of action. 
Okay. And he also says, which I send, I have sent mine angels to commit unto you. Right. So he's like, and I didn't, I didn't just give you, I didn't just tell you this. Like I've sent people, I've sent angels to tell you this. Okay. So let's move on to the next one. The shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Ooh. Okay. Just love language, you guys. Faith. Why a shield of faith? Here's why I think it's a shield of faith. A shield is a defensive weapon. It protects, right? Um, I mean, I guess technically you could smack somebody in the face with it, but typically you hold it to protect. You hide, not hide behind it, but you do. You do hide behind it. You protect yourself with a shield. And why faith? Why would we make a shield of faith? Because, and this is gospel according to Donica, but because I believe sometimes the fiery darts of the wicked are there to cause chinks in our armor and are there, and those chinks are with doubt. And I'm not saying that you should never doubt anything or you should never question anything. You can absolutely question things, but when you question them, you want to come from a place of Heavenly Father. I want to know the truth. I want to know the truth. And you won't want it to be from a place of fear. You want it to be from a place of faith. And so when you're protecting yourself with faith, right, when you're actively working on that shield of faith, it protects you from those fiery darts. And I think it's really important that it's a shield of faith. Like I love that image. Okay. Um, last one. No, just kidding. We have two more. The helmet of salvation. Um, so I talked before about, you know, one of the ways I make a lot of choices is with my heart, right? Our breastplate of righteousness protecting my heart. Now what's protecting my head? The helmet of salvation. Um, one of the ways that they used to make helmets is with a point at the top. And the idea was that if somebody tried to come down at the top of your head with a sword, it, it veered the sword off. Like it went off to one side or off to the other side, right? Like it couldn't come down on you. It was, it was really hard to break these helmets in that way. And, um, very, very clever design. And I think about that in terms of how am I making my choices and what, what's my goal? And so if I've got the helmet of salvation on, my goal in all of my choices should be getting back to live with Heavenly Father. Is this what somebody who's trying to live with Heavenly Father, are these the choices that person would be making? If I went back to my teenage self, I'd be like, no, this is not the choices you should be making. And I'd give her a smack on the head and put the shield of faith on her and the helmet of salvation and see if she made some better choices. But, you know, teenage Donica, not, not smart, but that's okay. Adult Donica learned. We learned, we learned lessons and we got smarter. Okay. Um, and then the last one I want to talk about, it's the last one, is the sword of my spirit. And this is the one, I'm not going to lie, that interested me the most because a sword is an offensive weapon. It is not, I mean, you can use it for defense. Yes. Right. In the same way that you can use a shield for offense, you can use a sword for defense, but it is uh, an attack, right? And I'm not saying go out and start beating people with your Book of Mormon. Don't do that. <laughs> but I just want to think, you know, again, this is an active thing, right? You can sit in defense. You can sit and hide behind your shield and get whacked and get whacked and get whacked and you're okay. But you also, the only way to move forward is to use an offensive weapon. And so I was thinking, why, why would the spirit, why would the spirit, which I've always considered kind of 
quiet and soft be considered a sword also. And I think it's because many of the scriptures throughout the Doctrine and Covenants, Heavenly Father Christ have said that the word is like a sword. It is sharp, right? It is very, it cleaves. Um, and I think it's important to think about how do we follow the spirit, right? When we receive a prompting, do we act on it? Do we act on it like you would with a sword? There's got to be, I don't know if you've ever picked up a sword before, but it's flipping heavy. <laughs> like it wasn't the reason that these knights were so greatly admired back in the medieval ages. I finished reading the um, story of King Arthur and his knights to my girls. And one of the reasons those the um, knights were so revered was because these guys were strong guys. They were big. They were strong physically strong, capable beings, because you had to be in order to wear all this armor. It was heavy in order to have the sword and to fight with the sword. It was heavy. You had to be physically strong to wield that thing. Um, and I think it's important to think again, we, not necessarily physically, but spiritually, we want to be able to not necessarily wield the spirit, but we want to be able to listen to the promptings we get and act on them with strength from a place of strength. Um, anyway, I just loved, I just love this. And I, I really was thinking about each of these moments and each of these things and why, why say this piece of armor with this particular attribute, this particular, why faith, why the spirit, why, you know, why each of these things. And, um, I just want to end, I know I'm already over time. Um, I usually try to keep the podcast under 20 minutes. We're already at about 22 minutes, um, but I'll be done here in a second. And as for our, um, as for our application, how do we, how do we apply this stuff? Um, this is what I wanted to read. This is by D. Todd Christofferson. This is when, from when thou art converted from the April, 2004 general conference, he says, I see you sometimes stopping reading a few verses, or I see you sometimes reading a few verses, stopping to ponder them, carefully reading the verses again. And as you think about what they mean, praying, praying for under, you're praying for understanding, asking questions in your mind, waiting for spiritual impressions and writing down the impressions and insights that come so you can remember and learn more. Studying in this way, you may not read a lot of chapters or verses in a half an hour, but you will be giving place in your heart for the word of God and he will be speaking to you. And so I think the most important thing, whether you're building chainmail or whether you're working on um, the armor, is being in tune with the spirit and giving space for Heavenly Father to talk to you, for the spirit to talk to you. Um, and that comes from really studying the scriptures, even if you're not, even if it's late at night, you're about to fall asleep, taking the time to really like, okay, just read that one verse, but really read that one verse and let your eyes just kind of glaze over the page so you can go to sleep. Really read that verse, take some notes, really try to feel it, try to understand why, why did we use these, why, why were these specific words chosen to explain this concept? Um, and there's always a reason. There's always a reason. That's something that I, uh, I learned getting my degree in English. Um, anyway, I will talk to you next week.